Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice. Fantasy picks to click and flick the latest NFL news and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is November 6th. It is Election Day. We hope that you exercise your civic duty to go out and vote. We urge you to vote. It's probably too late for most of you, but (laughs) anyway, uh, right to the show. Here we go. I am Michael Mesrek. I am host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and experienced fantasy player, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Very well, sir. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking about the, the crunch time of our fantasy season, getting near the end of our regular season. Hopefully uh, we'll do better uh, on our predictions than I did in my actual league this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yes, it was a big week indeed. Uh, a lot of surprises around the league, uh, including the first one that I want to just get right into, Mr. Nick Mullins. Uh, come on down. He came on down last Thursday night and threw three touchdowns and beat the Raiders in his first ever career start. He went to Southern Miss, the same school as Brett Farr, broke Brett Farr's records in all those uh, areas. Of course, the NFL is not college, but still it's a feel-good uh, play for Nick Mullins and the 49ers, and he's going to get the start again this week. C.J. Beathard still nursing that wrist injury. Now, if you're a fantasy owner, are you going to go out and run and pick up Nick Mullins if, uh, if you're desperate there? Is he worth it, or was this just a flash in the pan? What do you think, Chris? Well, if you're desperate, I mean, any any guy that's a starter, you got to like, especially a guy that's starting against a, a relatively weak defense. I mean, I wouldn't get too excited about him. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy, you know, game-breaker, even this week. But I, I don't think he's going to hurt you based on the matchup. we got to remember, it was the Raiders last week, and it was a short week. So I, I'm going to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. But, you know, the Giants aren't – they're not Raiders bad, but they're still pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, I think the Raiders got to be pretty much the, the the worst team in the league right now. It's a, it's been one mistake after another, and this is a team that's coming here to Vegas in a couple of years. We hope that John Gruden is, gets his act together and makes some good picks with those draft picks that he traded away all those good players, Khalil Macca and Amari Cooper. Um, speaking of Amari, uh, he uh, he scored in his first uh, game as a uh, Cowboy on Monday night. Uh, what what? And this is not even on the template here, Chris, but what is your thoughts of Amari Cooper as a Cowboy, what you saw on Monday night? Do you think he's going to continue to play uh, that, that well and, that, and show up that, 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 uh, that impressive? I think he kind of impressed me. I think he did as well, especially for as little time as he had there. Um, I think once he gets a little more familiar with the offense, the nuances and the, and the adjustments at the line, he'll be able to stay out there in more situations. And some of their hurry-up offense, he wasn't on the field because he has a limited understanding of the playbook right now. So I think once he gets mm-hmm. that, it's going to be better. I mean, I thought he had a fair amount of targets and, and some really good opportunities. And, look, he, they targeted him several times in the end zone 
um, in addition to the one where he actually scored the touchdown. So I think he's going to be very fantasy worthy. And uh, if he can stay consistent, just learning the playbook, I think he's going to be actually a very productive. It, 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 I think he's, it was a good buy low for those that did buy low uh, in your fantasy league, which I did in a couple of yeah. my leagues already. Okay. Uh, the next note is about Mr. Le'Veon Bell and his farewell to Miami tweet. Uh, looks like he's coming back to Pittsburgh, or is he? Because the Steelers say they haven't heard from him. They got a game this Thursday night. He didn't show up today. What do you think he's doing? Is he just taking the long way around to Pittsburgh? Maybe he's going to show up uh, early next week. I mean, the deadline for him to show up and play this week is next Tuesday. What do you think, Chris? I'm half wondering if he wasn't just doing that to, to yank the chain of the people in the Pittsburgh management and the fans, Ooh. maybe get the fans a little bit more on his side by, let, by letting them build up a little excitement that he's going to be there. Because uh, I, I, the more I look at it, the more I realize that he may just sit out the whole year. There's, there's no real value in him aside from you know five or six million dollars to to coming back and playing the last part of the year. It's not going to do anything for him as far as his uh, ability to negotiate next year. So I don't I don't see the point in it. So if he comes back, he can only hurt himself and he, physically and and you know financially. So I'm not really sure if he's coming back. I, think that might have been a little bit of a poking of via social media more so than any indication he's coming back anytime soon that's just a guess but you know what they say when you poke the bear <laughs> anyway yeah, um, I, I, now and as much as he can have that's right as long as he doesn't show up and doesn't sign a contract then he has all the leverage but he's going to be one year older but then again he'll have a whole full year of rest under his belt and talk about fresh legs for next year it should be Interesting to see where he lands. Anyway, a couple of major injury notes, and I just wanted to get to these real quickly because they have major fantasy impacts here. Unfortunately, the Packers had to place uh, number two wide receiver, Jeronimo Allison, on IR after he had a, suffered a groin injury, core muscle. He's going to have a surgery on this. So he's gone for the rest of the, the, um, the regular season. He's got to sit out at least eight games, and that's the rest of the season. So it looks like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and – E squared. <laughs> I guess what they have to say that because I'm not even going to attempt to say his first name. Are going to are, are going to be picking up the yes, uh, what you said. Uh, anyway, I think they do call him E squared. Uh, uh, anyway, so in my mind, in your mind, Chris, uh, I know what I know, but what do you know? What do you think to do if you have Allison on your team? Obviously, MBS, uh, pick him up, uh, start him. Uh, what 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 do you think is going to happen in Green Bay outside of Devontae Adams there? Yeah, I do. I do think Valdez Scantling has some significant fantasy value down the stretch. He's certainly gaining more confidence from Rodgers as game by game. They're trusting him. They're throwing the ball to him when he's covered. Unlike with most rookies, you got to wait till he's open. Uh, they're they're actually throwing it to him while covered. So I, I think the Rodgers really is beginning to trust him, and he's going to get opportunity. That guy playing across from Devontae Adams, who's not going to see top coverage who's not going to see double coverage, especially with Randall Cobb running underneath and Jimmy Graham running the seam. And he's going to have some opportunities for one-on-one coverage almost all the time. So I think he could actually have some significant fantasy impact down the season, just like a lot of people projected Allison would, and Lynn Allison actually did in the first four weeks until he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Well, Randall Cobb there is still in the slot. Uh, does mm-hmm. uh, E-squared have any value? I, I, I'd be surprised. I think, honestly, the only reason he got – even snaps, let alone any targets, was because they had both Allison and Cobb out for a while, so they were running him out there as the third wide receiver in those three wide sets. Once 
either one of them came back, he went back to being virtually invisible. So my guess is, barring an injury to MBS or, or an injury to Adams or 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 Cobb again, I don't see him having even much impact uh, on the stat line, let alone on the fantasy line. Okay, moving on over to Washington, we got another uh, wide out that went to IR. Paul Richardson, uh, kind of a surprise with his shoulder. You know, he's been fighting other types of injuries uh, this season so far. He's on IR now. He's gone for the rest of the year. Jamison Crowder still out with that ankle. Hasn't practiced in like more than a month. Uh, he's going to have to practice and get in a full practice to play, and I'm not sure if he's gonna, that's going to happen this week. We uh, piped, uh, hyped up Josh Dotson, and he came through with a score. Uh, I picked him up a couple of leagues, started him, and uh, you know was very happy about that. He caught three passes, not not too much yards, 30 yards and all, but you know in a PPR that's 12 plus points, and even in a non-PPR you got about 10 points there out of him. Um, Maurice Harris came out of the blue and caught 10 of 12 passes for over 100 yards last week. So the fantasy impact without Richardson there. You got Vernon Davis too to, uh, that was that made a lot of plays last week. Jordan Reed. Who's the guy uh, to target here? If you're, if you got, you can have all these guys on the on the waiver wire, both Dotson and uh, Maurice Harris. And is there anyone else? Uh, Vernon Davis too. What do you, what do you, uh, what's the fantasy impact there, Chris? Uh, honestly, I believe the fantasy impact is more negative than positive. Yeah, maybe Harris could reproduce that somewhere down the road. I think the bigger problem is that for for Washington as a team, this takes. I mean, Richardson was the guy that could take the top off the defense. And they just don't have that now without him in there. That means Dotson's not going to – he's going to get more double coverage. You know, Jordan Reed is going to get more targets now, maybe like he should have been having all along, but he's now going to get more coverage. The offensive line is missing three starters, so Peterson's going to have a harder time running. This is a real big blow to an offense that was already really taking a bunch of little pokes and and pieces coming out of it. So I'm actually kind of concerned about all the Washington fantasy players uh, going forward. Uh, this was this is not that big of a deal, but it's kind of like the last straw that really takes uh, uh, changes the nature of their offense going forward right now. I think. Well, I understand what you're saying there, but this week they're playing Tampa Bay, which is one of the worst defenses in the league, right. especially the secondary, alongside Atlanta and uh, and Oakland, of course. Uh, so um, I, I, these guys got to have some value this week. I understand in you know future weeks if they're playing Green Bay or or whoever, uh, you know, a good good defense Minnesota. Uh, but uh, out of all these players, if you had a choice between Harris and Dotson and Vernon Davis, let's say, uh, which one are you going to grab? What, what order are you going to pick those up in? Well, I think Dotson is clearly the number one guy there, so he's going to be the one with the most talent. He's going to be the one that they're going to target in crunch time and in the red zone more than anything else. Harris did show me something last week. Like I said, he certainly was able to get open on a lot of those dink and dunk routes that, that – uh, that Alex Smith loves to use. So I think he could have value in a PPR. My question would be his consistent value, uh, much like with Dachshund itself. I mean, it's, so mm-hmm. I think Dachshund's the first guy you want, then Harris. And Vernon Reed, I think, is still, as much as he and Alex Smith have a good connection, I think it's, it's a little bit of an afterthought in this offense, the way it's currently aligned. Okay. Well, uh, news broke tonight, uh, right before we went to uh, – uh, uh, to the show here, uh, went live with you guys, that uh, Des Bryant had a workout alongside, uh, well, a different workout altogether, but same day. Brandon Marshall also went to go see the Saints. Uh, Kamar Aiken did too. I believe he used to play for the Colts, didn't he, Chris? Kamar Aiken? Yeah, with uh, the Ravens and the Colts, yes. Yep. Anyway, those guys worked out, and then uh, Des Bryant came in, and they saw they liked what they see, the Saints. 
And, uh, you know, Cam Meredith's been very quiet the last two or three weeks, not uh, hardly playing. Uh, you know, he's got the knee thing he's still recovering from, and he hasn't caught any passes at all. They got Traquan Smith as their speedy rookie, and, of course, you got Mike Thomas, Michael Thomas that does everything. But it looks like they're serious about trying to work out a deal with Des Bryant. Let's say the Saints sign Des Bryant. Are you going to run out and pick him up if you're desperate at uh, wide receiver, Chris? I think any wide receiver that's going to be if he's if he's going to be starting, you know, over Traquan Smith across from Michael Thomas, I think anyone starting in that offense, especially drawing not top coverage like Thomas would be, has to be interesting. And he probably is worth more than the guy at the end of your roster. I'm a little skeptical right now of what he's actually going to be able to contribute and how much he's going to contribute. But the fact that they're this interested intrigues me at least enough to to think about it, especially if I've got a guy that I've been hanging on the end of my roster hoping he comes back and does something. Yeah, and Des Bryant said he wanted to play for a winner, and you don't get you don't get much better than a team that just took down the undefeated Los Angeles Rams. Uh, granted, of course, it was home. I think the Rams are going all in now. You know, I mean, uh, the the Saints are going all in uh, right now to win. You know, while Drew Brees is still playing and such. So this is going to be very interesting to see what happens if he signs. And remember, he was close to signing with other teams, uh, and then it fell apart. Cleveland, he flirted with. You know, uh, but you know that this is the New Orleans Saints. This has really Super Bowl potential, especially the way they're playing right now. I'm and their defense Houston is playing a little bit better. Look, quite frankly, when they made the deal for Demarius Thomas. That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was surprised about that, too. But anyway, it's going to be interesting to see if he signs and what he does, if he does sign there, uh, what he does on the field. Uh, real quick kicker note here. The Chargers released Caleb Sturgis, who missed a couple of PATs and a field goal, almost cost them the game last week, and they signed the Michael Badgley off of their uh, uh, practice squad. I think, uh, I think Badgley kicked for them earlier in the year. So let's go right to the uh, the short list of injuries here. Uh, big Ben with his finger. He sat Tuesday. They're playing on Thursday. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a big thing. It's just managing the you know the reps and such. So I think he's going to play there. Ryan Tannehill uh, with the throwing shoulder down on Miami. It looked like he's expected to miss at least another week. That means another Brock Eisweiler show, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. He's been, he started now all these uh, three or four games, and he went from 30 points to 20 points to 15 points. To, I think he had seven this past week. So it's almost like he's cutting in half every every game. And that's what happens when you can plan game plan for Brock Osweiler. He just doesn't play very well. Anyway, uh, let's move on over to the running back position. Leonard Fournette with a hamstring. He practiced on Monday. It looks like they're coming off the bye, and they're serious. If he can get through the whole practice session this week, then he'll be able to play and start, and that's a big uh, good news for the Jaguars. Sony Michelle, who came close to playing this past week, did not play, of course, at night. They're saying he's likely to play. That knee injury looks like just a two-week injury uh, here. Um, anyway, moving on over to Seattle, Chris Carson with the, the first the uh, hip and then the thigh that he injured this past week and Mike Davis took over. Well, uh, Pete Carroll said uh, he's unlike Davis practice much this week, and that tells me he's probably not going to play. You've got Mike Davis there but with the Burchard uh, Penny, uh, the, the rookie. Uh, over in Washington, Chris Thompson still dealing with the rib injury. See if he can breathe and practice this week before we'll learn, learn if he can play at all. Uh, Ron Jones down in Tampa Bay with the hamstring expected to miss one more week there, so don't count on him. And Cincinnati, big news there. A.D. Green, the toe, it swelled up in the uh, off a week, and he went to go see a specialist. They deem him week to week. He is, does not need surgery right now, but he is expected to miss 
two-plus weeks, according to uh, Adam Schefter. It looks like two weeks, and then they're going to reevaluate him, see if he can play. That's a big loss for Cincinnati because they're playing really good there. Uh, over in Chicago, Allen Robinson missed another uh, week with the groin. Hopefully uh, another rest session will uh, allow him to get back on the practice field and play this week. We'll see. James Crowder, we already mentioned with the ankle. We'll see if he practices at all this week. Rob Gronkowski was another late scratch, too, on uh, Sunday night with the ankle uh, and as well as the back. Uh, his status is uncertain. We'll see if he practices later this week. Um, and then, of course, we got Charles Clay in Buffalo with a hamstring. He's week to week. That means he's not going to play this week. And one final kicker note, Matt Bryant with a hamstring. He thought he could go play last week. He couldn't. Uh, Giorgio Telvecchio filled in nicely for him. Uh, we'll see if he practices later this week, and we'll, then uh, we'll learn if he'll be able to play or not. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President and CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim... Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP, they cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, please check out our website, ffmastermind.com. Lots of free good stuff on there, including our free NFL Quick Bits page where we've been posting NFL news on a daily basis for 23 years. Yep. Anyway, uh, we also post uh, Eye in the Sky scan reports from our scouts uh, covering the, most of the NFL teams in the NFL, including the Indianapolis Colts from Chris Rito. Uh, we are, of course, pumping out our free, uh, our weekly, I'm sorry, weekly fantasy in, uh, season uh, premium newsletters for our premium subscribers. Uh, discounted uh, $9.95, so it's cost of a pizza or less than a pizza. Uh, try us out for the rest of the season. You get uh, what week ten all the way through week seventeen. Uh, ten bucks. That's about a, a buck an issue there. Uh, expanded picks to click and flick the market feature, and of course rankings and updated rankings and late week fantasy reaches in our NFL game matchup analysis by John Cooney's unparalleled. Anyway, please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. Let's get to the picks to click and flick for week ten. Give me a couple quarterbacks you like this week and why, Chris. Well, some guys just kill certain teams. I know you're going to talk about one later, but one guy I'm going to talk about is Blake Bortles. He just always kills the Colts, especially in Indianapolis. Besides the return of Fournette to the sputtering offense, you look at his history, Bortles has topped 298 yards when they played at Indianapolis each of the last three seasons. He's averaging two touchdowns per game anywhere versus Indianapolis over his whole career. Uh, you know, skipping his rookie year, he's also averaging 305 yards per game coming out of the bye week over the last three seasons. So I think Bortles has a lot of good history going for him uh, in this matchup. Another guy I like uh, who's probably not on your radar otherwise is Eli Manning. He does have to cross several time zones, but he's going to see a depleted 49er secondary on Monday Night Football this week. Only Oakland and Arizona and their terrible passing offenses have failed to throw at least two touchdowns against San Francisco so far this year. Also, he's averaging okay. 295. What's that? Go ahead. I say. Also, he's averaging 295 yards a game and two touchdowns on his six Monday Night Football games the last four seasons, even though the teams haven't been any good. And he's averaging 289 and three touchdowns in his last four games coming out of the bye week. So a lot of history from Eli lines up as being very positive as well. 
Okay, sorry about the interruption there. I thought you were finished, but lots of good information to listen to. Okay, a couple quarterbacks I like this week. Uh, Alex Smith, Washington. I know he's got a, doesn't have a Paul Richardson at his disposal, but he's got enough to burn the Bucks for multiple scores in this game. So if you got Dotson and you need him, start him. Uh, Maurice Harris is not a bad play either. Uh, Vernon Davis should probably pushing it there. But uh, uh, hopefully he'll get Chris Thompson back, too, and he'll do some damage out of the backfield there, too. Anyway, uh, the, the second guy, of course, uh, this is going to be a Chris Rito special because a lot of these stats I got from him. Uh, I already picked uh, Rivers as uh, uh, Philip Rivers as a click for this week. They're playing the Raiders. Everyone's a click against the Raiders. However, listen to these stats here. Courtesy of Chris, since 2010, Rivers has averaged 325 yards and two-and-a-half touchdowns when playing in the black hole for those eight games, including two 400-plus-yard games and a third over 350 with four touchdowns. He literally is the antithesis of Big Ben in that he excels on the road more at home. Two of his nine 400-yard-plus games in the last eight years have been Oakland, and 12 of his last 15 games, 350 greater than 350, have been on the road. Remember, with these three in Oakland, he loves playing in those fans, yelling at him, especially those crazies in the black hole. So if you got Philip Rivers, you start him and don't worry about it couple of quarterbacks I'm not crazy about this week. Russell Wilson, Seattle, they're playing the Rams. They're going to be on the road this week. Uh, you know, the Rams are going to be upset, pissed off about uh, their loss to the Saints. I think Russell Wilson is going to struggle in this game, uh, you know, so I'd be careful about that. And, of course, Derek Carr, oh, boy, the team's a mess. Uh, it's just simply totally untrustworthy for fantasy right now. So I would avoid Derek Carr at all, all costs, uh, especially this week. And, um Let's get right to the couple of quarterbacks that you're not crazy about this week. And why, Chris? First time in eight or ten years doing this broadcast, Tom Brady is a flick for me. Uh, I mean, the Titans are an underrated pass defense. They've allowed amongst the lowest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. But then you also look at Brady. Brady's four lowest fantasy games this year by far are his four road games. And he's thrown only six touchdowns in his four road games. Maybe Vrabel might have some insight on Brady for his defense as well. So just temper your expectations for Tom Brady. And then I also don't like Matt Stafford this week. The Bears' defense is ramping up even without Mack, and the Lions are starting to fade, especially in the passing game. You know, Losing Golden Tate, a possession guy, when you face a fierce pass rush is going to be hard, especially on the road. He's also been under 200 yards in both NFC North games so far this year and under 220 in his last few road games as well. Stafford's got a lot going in the wrong direction right now. Yeah, I agree with there. A couple of running backs you like in white. I like a couple of Johnsons to click this week. I like David Johnson. Uh, it's a good week to get him back in the lineup. The Chiefs are the most generous to opposing running backs. They've given up a lot of ground and air yardage and touchdowns. Could be a chance for DJ to get back in the good graces, even if it comes in garbage time. And the other DJ, Duke Johnson, uh, the Browns are going to be in passing mode early and often in this game, much like they were against KC last week. Looks like the new offensive coordinator in Cleveland has rediscovered Duke Johnson. Should have a huge PPR game. You couple that with that recent play with the fact that the Falcons have allowed the most running back receptions, targets in the NFL so far this year, this looks like a real safe play for Duke Johnson. That's right. I like him, too. A couple of running backs this week I like. Uh, Jordan Howard, Chicago. Uh, I think he's going to score on the lousy run defense of the Lions, especially at home. And he had two scores last week, so, uh, you know, he's really involved there. They've kind of taken a step back from Tariq Cohen. Uh, and Tim and Coleman, Atlanta, have coming off a really big game uh, against the Redskins. I think the, Brown, the, well, the Browns can't stop the run either, so I think he's going to score in that one. A couple of guys I'm worried about this week, Derek Henry with Tennessee. Of course, Deion Lewis is kind of taking that position over. Even though he might get a, a goal line carry, I'm just not feeling against the Patriots uh, this week for Derrick Henry. And Chris Carson, uh, injured thigh, injured hip, Rams defense, 
uh, at equal fantasy bench in my mind. There's just no uh, no no reason to start him because uh, he's probably going to end up playing just limited if he does at all. By the end of the week, he might be ruled out. So don't like him this week. A couple of running backs you're not crazy about and why, Chris? I'm going to stay with my Johnson theme. I'm going to go with on Johnson. The Bears have allowed the fewest fantasy points per game to running backs so far. No rushing touchdowns. This looks sketchy. The only success anyone's had on the ground has been power backs up the gut, so maybe Blunt gets a little more run than usual this week. K.J. has modest expectations. The other flick, i got to come up with another Johnson. I'll go with Chris Johnson. He just retired yesterday. Congratulations. No, I'm going to have you a real one here. Uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is a guy that, that I'm a little worried about a caution play this week. The Steelers are allowing only 88 total yards per game to running backs so far. Nobody over 100 yards as a team. The second fewest fantasy points per game. They've also... Not allowed more than 65 total rushing yards since week four. You look at what they do to receiving backs, too. They've allowed the fewest targets, receptions, and receiving yards to running backs, even though they've played some good receiving running backs. So Christian McCaffrey's a caution play on Thursday night. Okay, a couple of wide receivers you like and why? I'll go with Josh Doxson again. We mentioned him last week. Same thing again this week. Great, great opponent to play against, you know, going against a, a terrible Bucks pass defense. And without Paul Richardson and with some of the other weapons, Doxon might be the only thing going for this offense. I think he's a good bet to score as Tampa Bay allows, on average, two wide receiver touchdowns per game. The other guy I like, again, we mentioned him earlier, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Dolphins have not allowed much in the air, but most of what they've allowed has been to the secondary wide receiver targets, especially for the touchdowns. MVS also has 100 yards or a touchdown in four straight games, so I think that's got to bode well for being a hot player, especially with Allison now sidelined and the confidence from Rodgers I suspected that I mentioned earlier. Okay. A couple wide receivers I like this week. Uh, these are, uh, well, one of them is very well known, and the other one is uh, kind of fringe. Tavar Williams, a fringe player, uh, he's scoring almost every week now. Uh, you know, he's catching the big passes in the red zone and long bombs from Phillip Rivers. And guess what? Of course, they're playing in the black hole there against the Raiders. I think Tyrell Williams continues his scoring streak this week. And uh, Tyler Boyd, people like me be con- uh, concerned because A.G. Green's not going to play, but uh, Tyler Boyd uh, is one of the most talented receivers uh, that emerges this year. Uh, they've got other receivers there, John Ross and such, uh, Cody Core. Uh, so Tyler Boyd is going to be the guy that's going to catch most of the passes this week, I think, against the Saints that can be beat. And so uh, don't worry about it. Just stick him in the lineup. He will produce. A couple of guys I'm not crazy about this week. Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews are the big losers in Philadelphia when Golden Tate came along. And so, uh, you know, they're probably going to see their targets cut in half there. I'd be very careful about starting either one of them, especially Matthews this week, who has been manning the slot officially. And Robbie Anderson for the Jets. The Jets are just uh, San Darnold. Uh, oh, boy. It's just uh, regress. <laughs> it's just a big mess. Robbie Anderson against the Bills. The Bills, I think, are going to limit them. Their their defense is much better than people give them credit for. Uh, I think it's just going to be uh, not good for the Jets and not good for Robbie Anderson. So sit them if you got them. Uh, how about a couple of wide receivers you're not crazy about and why, Chris? Well, I'll start with Mar- Marquise Goodwin. I mean, the Giants have been up and down, but they generally do shut down the opposing wide receiver reasonably well. And without the high number of targets or catches that most number one guys for their teams get, it's difficult to find a reason to like him this week in a game that should feature the run for San Francisco more against a bad Giants run defense. It's really hard to trust anyone in the San Francisco passing game right now, uh, aside from George Kittle, you know, to be honest. Uh, but the, uh, the other guy that I'm not real key on is, you know, you mentioned some of the, some of the Eagles. I really don't think Alshon Jeffrey's going to do well either. The Cowboys don't allow a lot to the wide receiver, and what they do allow is a lot of underneath dink and dunk routes. Their pass rush is decent. It causes a lot of short routes, so this favors Tate and maybe guys like Ertz and the backs rather than Jeffrey. 
He's never topped 95 yards against Dallas in his career, and he's only averaged 37 yards per game as an Eagle in this matchup. So, eh, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Okay. How about a couple of tight ends you like and why? Well, Jimmy Graham, you got me. Has there ever been a worse stretch by a pass defense unit than the Dolphins linebackers covering tight ends in the last four weeks? He's almost a mortal lock for a TD this week and some solid yards as well. You know, I looked at his personal history as well. He scored two touchdowns this year. It's been the two games against the AFC East foes, and he's got 12 touchdowns in 12 career games against the AFC East, even though he only plays them every four years in his career. It's just incredible the success he's had getting in the end zone against the AFC East. Um, then I look, I like Ben Watson to have a the KG veteran to have a consecutive good game for the first time this year because I think the undermanned wide receiver crew should help a little bit in that regard. You know, the Bengals have also allowed a tight end touchdown in five of eight games so far and among the most tight end targets and receptions, not to mention they're the NFL's worst passing defense in total. They're actually statistically slightly worse than the Bucks and the Falcons right now. Okay, a couple of tight ends I like this week. Uh, Vance McDonald, Pittsburgh. Uh, I think it's going to be a big trucking Vance McDonald week. Why? The Panthers have allowed five touchdowns to tight ends in the last four games. That's crazy. So I think he scores this week. O.J. Howard, red hot with the Bucks. Just stick him in your lineup. Don't worry about it. Uh, that timeshare with Brady, that's over. That's a thing of the past. O.J.'s the man. A couple of tight ends I'm not crazy about. C.J. Uzuma, you would think that he would uh, probably see more targets, and he might, but the Saints have really uh, played the tight end tough. They have allowed just one tight end score in 2018, so I'd be kind of worried about that, uh, although he should see uh, solid targets because of A.J. Green being out there, so that's your one silver lining there. Also, uh, Mike Gisecki in, in Miami, the Packers have yet to allow a tight end to score in 2018. Gisecki really hadn't made his mark yet in the NFL. He's still learning and such. In fact, he's coming off a game where he didn't catch anything, so I wouldn't start him this week. How about a couple of tight ends you're uh, not uh, crazy about and why? I'm going to start with the rookie, Chris Herndon. The Bills are amongst the better teams in covering the tight end, and with an expectation that this is a lower-scoring game, I think Herndon's streak of real fantasy usefulness comes to a halt this week. You know, the receivers for the Jets are getting a little healthier. You get Eli McGuire getting in there. I think that puts a ceiling on his targets as well. And then a caution play for me is Rob Gronkowski. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play, which is not a given right now, um, I think only the Eagles have gone over 40 total tight end yards this year versus Tennessee, and most have been under 30 yards. So, really, they're shutting that position down big time. No tight end has scored on them yet. You couple this with, again, his nagging injury and the bye week coming up next week for New England. I'm guessing that Gronk's usage is limited at best. He might even sit this one out. I think the only reason he played the last week or the week before was that he's a Buffalo native and they were playing at Buffalo, who he always tears up. And other than that, I think he would have just sat out four weeks in a row. Wow. Okay. Uh, One-hit wonders, kicker and defense. Hit me with them. I like Josh Lambeau. I mean, you can always count on double-digit points versus the Colts by any kicker, especially by Jacksonville kickers. That matchup has always been very kicker-friendly. And then I like Mike Badgley. We mentioned him earlier, taking over for Caleb Sturgis. He should be available in every league, taking over for a solid offense, playing against a terrible team that allows a ton of kicker points. So Badgley would be a nice pickup for, for at least this one week. And a couple of defenses, I, I do like Buffalo against the Jets. They're at, at the Jets, but as you mentioned earlier, that defense is actually pretty good, and Darnold is not protecting himself or the ball, so I think this is a real danger zone for, for that Jets offense. They could, they could get really beat up a little bit. And I like the Falcons going to Cleveland this week. The defense is picking it up. Cleveland's starting to unravel a little bit, and, they sh- <coughs> excuse me, and Atlanta should be playing with the lead also, which allows you to pin back your ears and go after the quarterback. Okay, before I uh... – 
close out the show here. We wanted to go over the FF Webmasters the waivers that just ran uh, right at the start of the show here. To remind everyone, this is an experts 14-team non-PPR league. I was fortunate enough to win this past week to go 6-3. and three. Unfortunately, in my division, there are two teams that are better than me. One is nine and zero, and the other one's seven and two. But I'll take six and three because I'm uh, I'm on track to make the playoffs, and that's all that matters here. And once you get in, uh, then you just got to win. And uh, hopefully, your guys will play well. My studs are uh, uh, Kareem Hunt and uh, Devontae Adams on this team. I also got Geronimo Allison, but I was smart enough to pick MVS up uh, several weeks back when uh, Allison got injured. So I've got him uh, on my team too. Anyway, uh, heading into this week, uh, my issue was was defense. My two defenses are Houston and Baltimore. They're both off this week, so I needed to pick up a defense. I put in for Green Bay as well as um, who else did I pick up? put down here uh there was another defense i can't remember because it was number two on my list anyway um the three guys that were picked up were adam humphreys of course had that big game two touchdowns uh for the bucks this week uh and then somebody picked up nick mullins obviously uh he saw the big uh, game and hoping that they can get a boosted quarterback there uh the third pickup was maurice harris we talked about him as a redskin you know uh this is non-ppr but it's still maurice had over 100 yards last week it's gonna be tough to to repeat that and then my pickup was the next one and i did get the green bay packer defense i dropped to geronimo allison who's out for the year of course uh, what's interesting is that the nine oh nine nine and oh team uh also had their only defense, Minnesota, on a bye, and they picked behind me. They chose Atlanta, who uh, Chris just mentioned. You uh, mentioned them. Uh, they should have, probably have, be, uh, have some success against Cleveland in that. So that's very interesting. Onwards and upwards. Anyway, thank you for joining us, uh, especially all of our listeners out there and iTunes and, and, and such on the phone, of course. Uh, for Chris Rito, this is Mike Nazarek. We'll see you all next week when we preview week 11. Oh, wow, the time is flying, people of the 2018 NFL season. Goodbye, good night, and good luck to everyone playing this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.